Esther chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate, he observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence. He was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends in Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I am the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. His wife, Zeresh, and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows built, 75 feet high, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the gallows built. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May it bring humility to all who hear. The new buzzword today is autonomy. Autonomy comes from two Greek words. The word auto, which means self, and the word nomos, which means law. For instance, the word automobile means self-moving, or the word automatic means self-working. In the same sense, autonomy means self-law, or self-governing. Today, there is a, there's a push for the autonomy of the individual. This idea that each person should have the right to govern themselves. Or, be, or to be subject to their own laws and not to the laws of others. This is where we get sayings such as, do your own thing, or be your own boss, or be true to you. It's this idea that each person has the right to come up with their own set of rules to determine how they are going to live. The problem is that this can only be taken so far. For example, what if one person thinks that they should be exempt to larceny laws? Society at large cannot accept people stealing from one another. So the autonomous self gets thrown out the window on certain matters. Yet for the most part, our society today truly believes in the autonomous self. On most things, there are, there are no overarching rules. Take, for instance, all the new state laws that have been passed permitting the growth and the sale of marijuana. It is known that prolonged use of this substance damages the brain. Yet it is still held that each person should possess the freedom to decide for themselves if they are going to partake or not. None are to be held accountable. This is the essence of autonomy. Each person is his own master. The question is, is this true? 
Does an individual man or an individual woman hold themselves accountable? Or, or is there a higher power that man is subject to? When you get to the, the root of autonomy, it is a question of pride. Pride says, I am my own master. Pride takes a sweeping look throughout the whole garden, seeing all the fruit that God has given to them. Yet it focuses on that one fruit, that forbidden fruit, and demands a taste. Today, we'll look at a story that demonstrates the pride of man and its inevitable result. If you recall from last week, Haman's edict for the destruction of the Jews had already been given. Mordecai had urged Queen Esther to go to the king and beg him for mercy. So she mustered her courage and approached the king without being summoned, even though it could have meant her death. Of course, King Xerxes held out the golden scepter, staving off any penalty for her transgression. He was pleased with his wife, desiring to grant her her request. In turn, Esther asked both the king and Haman to dine with her that day. So after eating, the king asked her again. He wanted to know her request. Yet Esther left both men in suspense, saying that she would prepare another banquet for the next day. And only then would she answer the king's question. Such a delay tactic piqued their interest, and it had an effect on both men. Today, we will focus on Haman and how he reacted to the queen's second invitation. Esther chapter 5, verse 9. Haman went out that day, happy and in high spirits, but when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate, he observed that he neither rose nor, sh nor showed fear in his presence. He was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. The first thing to notice is that Haman left the, the queen's quarters in high spirits. It must have felt pretty good to get that solo invite to dine with Xerxes and Esther. Not only was Haman the top advisor for the king, but he had now gained access into Xerxes' personal life. This could only mean that the king's trust in Haman was growing. Surely, even more responsibility and more power would soon follow. I mean, nothing strokes an ego like a warm welcome from the highest in the land. But notice, too, how, how Haman's attitude quickly changed as he left the palace grounds. The sight of Mordecai continuing in his defiance by refusing to bow to him set Haman off, igniting a rage within this Jew had a death sentence on his head, yet he still did not fear Haman. Take a step back 
And think about, think about this for a moment. Haman had the, the world in the palm of his hands. He had authority and wealth. He had many servants bowing before him. And he now seemed to have a favorable end with both the king and the queen. Yet because one man refused to bend the knee, his joy had left him and his heart was filled with fury. These are the effects of pride. Take a moment to assess your own life. Think of all the blessings that God has granted to you. Now think about that one thing in which you're either dissatisfied or angered. Do you allow that one thing to control your emotions? Do you let, do you let that one thing dictate how you react to all the other things? This is a form of pride. Haman's own ego was driving his emotions. The, the special attention that he had received from the king and queen had put him in such a great mood, yet it was that one thing, that thing that he couldn't have that overrode such joy. That one man that would not give him honor lit a fire within him. Of course, it was pride that kept Haman calm and collected as well. He couldn't be seen acting upon such anger in public. He had to save face in front of everyone else, lest, lest he lose their respect too. Verses 10 through 12. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. Haman eventually made his way home to the people he could trust. These were the ones with whom he could vent his frustrations. And being true to his proud nature, he spent the evening talking about himself. About his immense riches and how he was blessed with many sons. About how, I, how he was second in command in the kingdom. And how that position came with honor and glory. And if that were not enough, he now had such an intimate connection with the king that he was the only person that was invited to this private banquet. Haman would have fit nicely in our society today, don't you think? He was a self-made man. He had achieved not the American dream, but the Persian dream. This man had all he needed in life. He should have had no complaints. 
Look at verse 13. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see that Jew, Mordecai, sitting at the king's gate. As rich and as powerful as Haman was, he could not let go of his grudge against Mordecai. The, the pride in his heart would not allow him to do it. And even though it had been decreed that in 11 months, Mordecai would die along with the rest of the Jews, that wasn't enough for Haman. He found no joy in life simply because one man would not bow to him. Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, This is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, ruby, topaz, and emerald. Chrysalis, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountains, mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth, and made a spectacle of you before kings. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. So I made a fire come out from you, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have come to a horrible end and will be no more. Satan did not feel any need for God. He desired to be that self-sufficient, autonomous being. He was a law unto himself, desiring a godless nature. Because of his beauty and his splendor, pride filled his heart, and he became corrupt. So consumed with self, a fire brewed within until it could no longer be contained. Desiring to be God, he was thrown to the earth and reduced to ashes. Dear friends, Pride leads to death. Like his master Satan, Haman was consumed 
with death. When Mordecai refused to bow to his greatness, death was on his mind. Yet not just for one man, but for a whole people. The whole race needed to be wiped from the face of the earth. But for Mordecai, his, de his demise couldn't come soon enough. The fact that this man was still living, still defying Haman's glory, took away any joy he had and lit a fire within him. Verse 14. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows built 75 feet high and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go with the king to the dinner and be happy. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the gallows built. Zeresh and Haman's friends had a similar attitude towards this Jew, Mordecai. For them, the solution to a problem was to just stamp it out. An immediate elimination of the cause of Haman's unhappiness was the best approach. There was little regard for life. For death is the essence of pride. Death to any who would oppose you. You see, this, this is the road that pride leads to. The one who stands in your way, challenging you, becomes an obstacle to your happiness. So you become angry. And, and anger finds its ultimate end in murder. This autonomous path that our society seems to be going down will only lead to destruction. For Haman, a simple execution would not be enough. No, the gallows had to be 75 feet high. Typically, the, the pikes for impaling people were not much taller than the criminals who were being executed. Yet it is suggested to Haman that a typical punishment wouldn't be enough. Like Haman's ego, the stakes would have to be large. All would have to see what happens to those who do not respect the glory and the splendor of the king's second in command. Rid yourself of this nuisance, they suggested. And then go with the king to the queen's banquet and be happy. This is what brings joy to a proud heart. A spectacular death. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Where does pride fester in your life? Have you bought into the lie that you are an autonomous being? That you are the master of your own destiny? You are a law unto yourself? What motivates you to do the things that you do? 
Is it for your own glory or for the glory of your creator? Do you find joy in your own greatness, in your own virtues? Does the praise of men bring you happiness? Or do you find joy in the one you praise, in Christ, your Savior? Just as pride filled Haman's heart, it was humility that consumed the spirit of our Lord. Jesus did not seek the glory that comes from the praises of men. Instead, he looked towards the cross. He looked to his own death. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Haman desired to lord it over Mordecai, so he sent him to the stake to die. Jesus desired to serve, so he sent himself to the cross to die for your sins, to die for your pride. Repent of any arrogance that holds you back and trust in him. Haman thought that his joy would only come after bringing about the death of another man. Yet true joy comes when you focus on the one who died for you. Only then will you be able to take up your own cross and die to yourself. You see, true peace comes through humility. It comes when we take the, the focus off of ourselves. And place it upon Jesus, your God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, we confess that pride fills our hearts. We are not that much different from Haman. Though our lives are filled with so much of your blessing, we tend to focus only on the things that get in our way. Thank you for sending your son to die for the pride in our own hearts. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit so that we may become humble and focused upon you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.